Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Fukui, Japan, with my new friend Pierre LaRue of the Fukui Prefecture Tourism Board. He came to Fukui to teach English with the JET program. Although his destination was chosen for him, he loves his new home because it allows him to live in rhythm with nature, make close connections with locals, and enjoy culturally rich experiences. In this episode, Pierre and I talk about visiting the Asura Shrine, hiking around the Five Lakes of Makata, and exploring the Echizan Ono Castle in the sky. You hear about these three amazing experiences, plus so much more. If you know someone that wants to visit Japan, I'd love it if you share this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide of Pierre's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Fukui. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWall to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Pierre, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Today, we're talking about Fukui, Japan. And it's a city that, honestly, I, I hadn't heard much about. Uh, I got an email from the prefecture promoting the area as far as tourism. And so I reached out and I said, hey, you know what? I'm always interested about learning about really cool places. And it, it seems like there's a lot of great things to do there. Thank you. <laughs> I believe so, too. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So we were talking about before we started recording that you're actually from Montreal. So what's your connection to Fukui and how did you end up there? Well, I came here to Fukui for work as part of the JET program, Japan Exchange and Teaching Program. So I came here in 2019, a few years ago. And we usually don't get to choose where we go. But I'm very glad I ended up coming to Fukui here for many reasons, and I'll discuss it with you today. But mostly, you know, I'm right by the ocean, something I've never lived before. You mentioned I'm from Montreal. We have a beautiful river, but the ocean is a bit far. So being close to the sea is really cool. And also mountains, lakes, rice paddies, everything, you know, in the middle of the quaint Japanese countryside, while still benefiting from the convenience that Japan offers, you know, it's very famous for. You know, living in the great outdoors like this, it really makes going for hikes, marine activities, cycling trips, fun and quite easy, really. Oh, that sounds fantastic. It's, pre- it's pretty ideal, I- I'm sure, as well. <laughs> so for people that aren't uh, familiar with Fukui, uh, I was looking it up on the map, and it seems like it's due east of Tokyo and like north of Osaka. Is that correct? Oh, yes. We're right next to Kyoto, actually. So we're, we're between Kyoto and Kanazawa, which is not as famous, but still kind of an up-and-coming city with international visitors, I would say, as a sort of lesser-known Kyoto. So we're right by the Sea of Japan in the middle of the country. Oh, fantastic. So if people are planning a visit to come to Fukui, how would they get there? Would they fly into Kyoto or Tokyo? Like, how would they, how would they go? Well, the closest airport is Komatsu, so that's in Ishikawa, close to Kanazawa, but it's quite small, so I would recommend flying through either Tokyo or Osaka, and then taking the train to Fukui. Actually, 
next year, so in the spring of 2024, the Hokuriku Shinkansen bullet train will extend into Fukui. So that will make the journey from Tokyo a mere two hours, 53 minutes with no transfer. So I'd recommend looking into getting some of those JR rail passes, the all-you-can-ride pass that's only available to international visitors. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's, that rail pass is just so fantastic because yes. <laughs> it's it's a great way to be able to, to explore the entirety of, of Japan without having to pay for additional flights and and. You know, gonna get nickel and dimed every time you try to to do something, and you just pay that one flat fee, and you can go go all over the country. Yeah, it's amazing, and I personally liked riding the Shinkansen much more than the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, okay, so if people are planning their their trip to Fukui, what's the weather like throughout the year, and are there any certain festivals that maybe somebody wants to plan their trip around that? So the weather here is pretty uh, all over the place in a good way. <laughs> I would say because we're right in the middle of the country next to the sea, we do get four very distinct seasons, which is great. So the spring is most famous for the flowers. The first big flower to bloom, blossom, would be the ume plum in March. And then in April, it comes the sakura, the cherry trees that are very famous. You know, the whole country goes into a frenzy when the sakura blooms. After that, yeah, in Fukui, I'd recommend if you're, you come to see the cherry blossoms, we have this long tunnel of cherry blossoms along the Asua River. So it's lined with trees for over two kilometers. It's very impressive. And right next to it, there's a shrine, Asua Shrine, where you'll find a 400-year-old weeping cherry tree. So also one of my favorite places for the cherry blossoms. Then comes summer, which in Japan, as you probably know, gets really, really hot. So in the summer, I usually go to the beach. There's this one desert island in Fukui. It's kind of surprisingly, it looks like Hawaii or something. You wouldn't expect it oh, wow. in the middle of Japan. Yeah, the white sandy beaches. <laughs> so in July, August, some ferries will take you there. So in the summer, highly recommend going to the beach, you know, doing some surfing or stand up paddle boarding. Sure. Well, and what's the name of that beach? Oh, sorry. So that beat, it's called Mizushima Island. It's a desert island. No one lives there. And it's only open July, August. Oh, wow. Okay. But there's a bunch of other beaches. Like there's one that's called Wakasa Wada Beach. That's right next to Kyoto. And it's the first one in Asia, actually, to have earned the blue flag certification. Something that's really big in Europe, I heard. So all of these beaches usually offer some sort of um, marine sports and activities by the sea. Then there's fall. So fall is great for the colorful leaves. It's really beautiful. People travel to Japan from all over really to enjoy the leaves every year. And it's a great season for camping. So in Fukui, there's this lake called the Kuzuryu Lake that turns into a bright mix of yellow, red, orange hues in the fall. And it gets filled with campers. Highly recommend coming over if you know you're around during that season and fall is also fun because the temperature gets a little more reasonable it it drops a little <laughs> it makes outdoor activities like cycling all the more enjoyable and around along the sea there's this cycling route that was opened i believe last year that's called the wakasa bay cycling route 
So it's over, I believe, 120 kilometers. And the route is mostly flat. So even people who aren't too athletic can, you know, <laughs> have a fun time riding their bicycle. Also, on the way, you have a bunch of places where you can rent some bicycles for a few dollars. So, yeah, in the fall, that's some of the stuff I keep busy with. And, oh, actually, this year, they launched an English language tour, cycling tour, in the south of Fukui, around those five lakes. So there's this area that's called the Five Lakes of Wakasa. And they're all interconnected. Some of them are salt water. Some of them are fresh water. So they all have a different wildlife to it. And oh, wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very surprisingly, the color of the water is also slightly different, like slightly different shades of blue. So this company called Wakasa Way launched English language tours and you can spend the night at some charming inn right by the lake. So that one is called Pamco and they do their own craft beer. So, you know, people who like craft beer highly recommend checking it out yeah that sounds right in my alley right like you're working <laughs> uh your day by you know, biking everywhere and then you're working up that appetite and uh, you get to reward yourself with a little bit of beer so that sounds good yeah perfect day you know perfect day out in the great outdoors and oh then there's the winter and here in fukui we do get a lot of snow actually we make national news every year because we get insane amounts of snow so the place is great for skiing and snowboarding especially if you want to avoid the crowds at more famous resorts in japan so the one i personally like is called ski jam katsuyama so it's one of the largest ones in western japan but still kind of a hidden gem so it's not too overwhelming and last but not least winter is great for seafood and fukui is famous in Japan, but also in Hong Kong and Taiwan, places that have a strong seafood culture. Fukui is famous for the snow crabs, so Echizen Gani, they're called here. So every year on November 6th, the season begins, and that's very a very popular activity to do in the winter, I would say. And I'm sure it's very delicious as well. <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> to people here, it's like the height of sophistication, I would say, you know, a dinner of crabs, something back home in Canada, we don't really have this idea about crabs, but yeah, it's pretty popular. And I, I highly recommend trying it once. You can stay at one of the inns in Ryokan, traditional Japanese inns right by the, the sea. So you'll get the crabs that was caught on that same morning and they cook it in a variety of ways, like boiled, grilled, raw. That's not cooked, but you can eat it raw as well. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And then also, um, we were just interviewed uh, Greg from Nagata, and he's really into the um, the onsen, which is like the, the Japanese hot springs. And I guess that's another thing to do in the winter as well, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was about, I, I forgot to say <laughs> Japan, you know, the onsen, they're open all year long, but people really feel a longing to go <laughs> when the temperature drops so the winter is great for onsen and in fukui we have our own hot spring resort that's called awara onsen so each in there has a different offering when it comes to the bats the sorts of bats that they offer but also the food that they serve and yeah so they 
also serve the crab I mentioned earlier and a bunch of other local specialties. I know you mentioned the crabbing season starts there in November, uh, but are there any other festivals or any other things that happen throughout the year that somebody wants to plan a trip around to do that? Yes, there are festivals all year long, and that's true, to be fair, of most of Japan, especially so in smaller, more rural areas like Fukui, where, you know, they keep their traditions stronger, perhaps. So some of the largest festivals include, there's the Mikuni festival that's every year in May. I just went last weekend. Uh, that's a big traditional Japanese festival with uh, those huge floats. I'm sure many people have seen some pictures or, you know, in movies. So big floats, people shout, then the shrines are involved. But really, every month there's something. So in the winter, uh, sorry, in the summer, in August, there's the Mikuni Fireworks Festival. That's also very impressive with a bunch of different kinds of fireworks. Some of them are launched from under the water or explode under the water. That's pretty unique. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also in August, there's the Eheji floating lantern. So that's that has to do with the Obon. Every year in August in Japan, there's this holiday that's called Obon. So they welcome the ancestors' spirits back into the home for a few days before releasing them again, you know, sending them off again. So they would uh, go to this big river in Eheji, a town here in Fukui, and they would release these very beautiful uh, paper lanterns as a, a gesture, if you would. So that uh, crab festivals in November in a bunch of different places like Echizen Town, where one of our largest producers of crab and Tsuruga Festival and Hose Matsuri, both are in September and they're similar to the Mikuni Festival I mentioned earlier. So big floats, the shrine, uh, priests and just people shouting, coming together. It's very much uh, lively. Oh, that sounds amazing. Now, like, like we were talking about earlier that if we're going to come to Fukui, we would either go into either Tokyo or Osaka and then take the train there. Once we're actually in town and we want to go to some of these festivals, or we want to you know, explore some of the other great things that there is to do there. Like, how do we get around once we're actually in Fukui? Like, do we do we rent a car? Do we is there just public transportation everywhere, or like a taxi, a Uber? Good question. I would say. The ideal would be, I believe, to rent a car if it's possible, if only to be able to see more places in a single day. But again, most tourist destination, most tourist sites in Fukui, you can reach them with public transportation. The only thing is the local trains and local buses don't come as often as they do in the larger cities. So it might be a little difficult to cram a lot of stuff in one single day. However, I do believe that Fukui is the perfect destination for a different kind of travel. So something along the lines of slow travel, where instead of seeing, you know, that many places, you kind of discover in depth a few places and get to meet with the people. You know, here it's mostly like the countryside. So when you go places, you'll get to meet a bunch of local 
residents, they're usually very surprised to see international visitors. So it's really easy to strike up a conversations with them. And oftentimes they'll be like, oh, let me show you this, you know, hidden gem. Or they might even bring you to their home. I mean, if you want to <laughs> and they'll <laughs> like cook some food. I mean, it's very different from what you would experience in the city where, of course, people don't know their neighbors as much. And like millions of people go come and go every day. So that's that would not be sustainable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's, it's a different way to travel. And, you know, sometimes we, like I know us Americans, we get caught up with the, okay, we have to, we have to go see 15 different things today. <laughs> and we're going to like, we don't even really get to enjoy them. You don't really, really get to even experience them much. You show up, you take a, you take a selfie mm. and you, you kind of wave and then you, and then you leave on to the next thing. Whereas like you're saying there with that experience where it's, you know, you're not cramming as much in, you're, you're kind of taking it all in and you're, you're scratching beneath the surface, you know, and you're actually understanding a little bit more about what the travel is about and what the people are and getting that, just that deeper travel experience that you don't get a lot of times in those bigger cities. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that's what the strength of, you know, more remote places like Fukui here. Absolutely. So let's talk about as far as like where we should stay while we're while we're there in, in Fukui. I know you mentioned like the Ryokans earlier. A lot of us Americans, you know, we're used to like our big brands like Marriott and Hilton and those types of things. But I don't think that there's many of those there in Fukui, are there? Uh, no, you're you're right. There aren't that many, you know, big uh, international brands of hotels here. With, however, the notable exception of a huge Marriott that is under construction right in front of Fukui Station, and it's planned to open. It's scheduled to open next year, so in the spring of 2024, with the launch of the Hokuriku Shinkansen Line, the bullet train I mentioned earlier. So that is, of course, one thing. But I would instead encourage people to visit some of the traditional ryokan or even minshuku. So those are kind of like Japanese-style bed and breakfast. I would encourage people to kind of explore these options that you can only experience in a place like Fukui instead. And I have a few uh, examples here. So Fukui is, in Japan, considered a sort of... Um, Zen sanctuary. The main reason for that is that Fukui is home to the largest Zen training site in Japan, the Eheji Temple. So there, over a hundred something monks go about, you know, their daily life, their training at the temple, and we visitors get to witness it from up close as we walk around the corridors. The building itself is huge and it's really old, very beautiful. So one great place to stay at is this inn, Hakujukan, it's called. It's right in front of the temple. And there you can try Zazen, so a sort of meditation, with the help of concierge that are trained at Eheji. And you can also, the dinner there is Shojin Ryori, so that's the Buddhist, sometimes vegan cuisine that the monks would eat at the temple. And if you speak spend the night there on the in the morning the next day you can also go up to the temple at the break of dawn to take part in the morning service with all the monks which is a very moving experience i did it once it was even surprising to me how moved i was <laughs> that's really cool cuz i i'm certainly not ready to live that monk lifestyle but i think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. but i think it's really cool to be able to just experience that for a day or two and just like you said you get that emotional experience that 
maybe you wouldn't get anywhere else. True, it's very unique, and they keep chanting, you know, the the sutras or something, and then they move around in a dance-like manner. Anyways, I was very impressed. So that's one thing I would uh, encourage people to do. So that's in Eheji. Down south, near close to Kyoto, there's this other inn that's called Matsunaga Rokkang, and they do a similar thing. So it's a Japanese-style retreat. So you spend the night there. They serve farm-to-table cuisine kind of thing. They grow their own vegetables, so they serve this lavish meal at night. And then in the morning, if you want to, they'll take you to the nearby temple. So this one is called Myotsuji, and it's very beautiful, of course, all year long. But I highly suggest going in the fall because of all the... It turns bright orange. So at the temple in the morning, you would do some Buddhist meditation and they'll serve a sort of a Shojin Ryoji inspired breakfast there at the temple. So that's also a very unique experience. Now, that sounds pretty amazing. One of the other things that I was looking up that seems really interesting, but also kind of out of place is the the dinosaur museum that's there. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. <laughs> You're so knowledgeable. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> Fukui is home to one of the world's three largest dinosaur museums. The reason being that most of the fossils found in Japan were unearthed, discovered in Fukui, and most of the new species that are native to Japan also have Fukui in their name. So there's like the Fukuizarus or Fukui Raptor. So that museum At the moment now, as we record this podcast, it's undergoing a major renewal. So it's going to open back again this summer. So the 14th of July, 2023. And they'll be taking reservations because you'll need a reservation to get in from uh, June 1st, 2023. But the museum is huge. And it's, of course, great if you're going with children. But it's so amazing Even people who don't really care much about dinosaurs always say like, wow, I had such a great time. Around town, you also have all of these dinosaur-themed hotels as well. So you can really do a (laughs) dinosaur-themed trip. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I I mean, I travel a lot with my kids. And although I want to have fun while I'm on vacation, I also want to have some sort of educational experience for them as well. Uh, especially if we're playing hooky from school, you know, <laughs> you want to make sure that the, the teachers know that you're doing a little education while you're traveling. And so going to like that dinosaur museum and have, having that educational aspect of the vacation, I think is really something that's going to be meaningful th- for them, but also help to make sure we don't get in too much trouble when we go back to school. Oh, yeah. And English language support is also perfect at the museum. They have audio guides, most of the plaques there. The information is also written in English as well. And there's also some hands-on workshops. So one that is very popular is that they bring rocks from the actual site where they found all those dinosaurs. So they bring these rocks and people can try digging up their own fossils. So there is a chance you might find something. So it's not only watching, but they also have this kind of immersive, you know, activity to it. Yeah, that's really cool. A couple other things that I I learned about Fukui, that area, and some things to do, which also I think provides a little bit more like historical perspective on the area, is like the, um, okay, I'm going to mess up the name, I'm sure, but the the Morioko Castle? Yes. And the Eshizen Ono Castle in the Sky? Oh, yes. So we have, Fukui 
it's also part of the area in Japan called Kansai. So that's where Osaka and Kyoto are as well. And this is the area that's widely believed to be the birthplace of Japanese culture as we know it today. So the Maruoka Castle and the Echizen Ono Castle are a great way to kind of explore Japanese history in Fukui. The Echizen Ono Castle is also famous for another reason. In the winter, only a few times, a few days every year, if there some very specific conditions align, the castle will appear as if floating over a sea of clouds. When you see pictures, it's really amazing. It's like out of a movie or something. So that's why it's known as the yeah, castle in the sky. And the Maruoka Castle, both of the castles are also very popular as a sakura, so cherry blossoms spot kind of thing. And again, because they're on little hills, in the spring when the flowers blossom, it looks as if the castles are kind of standing over the flowers. So that's also a very unforgettable sight. <laughs> For sure. That sounds like a perfect uh, Instagram photo. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> well, well, speaking of like being up in the sky, uh, one of the last things I wanted to bring up was uh, the Rainbow Line Summit Park. It seems like a really cool spot. It's like, I guess, one of the, the, the tallest mountains in the area. Yeah. So the, the Rainbow Line Summit Park is, well, a park. <laughs> and it's on one of the tallest mountains in that area. And the great thing is, from there, you can see the five lakes of Mikata I mentioned earlier. You get a very clear view of the lakes and you can, on a clear day, you can also see how, you know, each lake is a little different. The color of it is a little different. But then on the other side, you see the Sea of Japan and all of that you can watch as you lounge on some huge sofas. They also have foot baths there. So most people go thinking, oh, I'll spend, you know, half an hour there. But because there are a few cafes selling like um, Japanese sweets and matcha flavored items uh, and other local specialties, you can easily spend half a day up there. Even going up to the park is fun because you'll have to ride on those lifts kind of thing. So the whole thing is pretty amazing. Wow, that sounds like such a cool experience. Well, Pierre, I really appreciate you sharing all these really fun tips for Fukui. I've learned so much, and it's like definitely moving up my list of places I need to go visit this year. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Fukui, where should they go and what should they eat? One meal, I would say they should try. It's called Echizen Oroshi Soba. So it's buckwheat noodles. Fukui has been voted best uh, soba in all of Japan a few years in a row. And of course, it's available in a million restaurants in Fukui because it's such a big specialty. I would say try the Echizen Soba Village. So it's a, are there a bunch of restaurants in the village or is it just like one spot? Oh, sorry. It's the name of the restaurant. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just want to make sure because when I'm imagining a village, I'm imagining like a big, bigger area. So that's, that's good. That's good to know. And like you said, you've been in uh, Fukui now for about four or five years and you've had a, I'm sure some really amazing experiences like what's one of your most memorable while we were shooting a television program for the public broadcaster NHK which in itself was amazing <laughs> we got to accompany some fishermen out to sea and there we were given some raw squid that they caught and prepared right in front of us so that was 
pretty amazing. But that's also an activity that people can do if they spend the night in that fishing village. So I highly recommend looking up. Um, it's called Sekumi, the village, and you can spend the night with the fishermen. They, most of them operate inns as well with their families. And in the morning, if you can manage to wake up early enough, because it's pretty early, you'll be able to go on the boat with them and maybe eat some raw squid uh, as we did. That is such a cool experience. Like, yeah, I mean, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go get some sushi in, in Japan and everything like that. But like eating the, the raw squid, like on the, the fisher boat, like where they actually just caught it, that pretty much tops it all. You know? Yeah, it doesn't get any fresher than that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, well, speaking of good times and happy memories, uh, where's the happiest happy hour in Fukui? Uh, I would say, so Fukui Station, where the Shinkansen will come next year, is kind of the gateway to Fukui. So right in front of it, you have these two nightlife districts. So one is called Katamachi and the other one is called Hamamachi and they're connected to each other. It's almost kind of one large district. And that's where you'll find really like thousands of little bars and izakaya, like Japanese style bars with the neons. It's pretty much, you know, Japan nightlife as you imagine it. Do you have any favorite spots there? Uh, there's this bar called Woody's and the owner speaks perfect English. I think he lived abroad or something. And the the vibes are also very fun, like a tropical themed interior. But yeah, Woody's would be my go-to place. Right on. Now, uh, one of the things I, I always do whenever I travel, and sometimes it's a little bit of a blasphemy because, you know, there's so many like, great local places to eat and everything, but I always like to uh, try the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza? I'm not sure they make pepperoni pizza, but for pizza, so in 2022, the Italian futsal team SS Lazio, they came over and they had some friendly match with our own uh, futsal team that's called Marocca Rock. Anyways, when they came over, we brought them to the a restaurant called Pizzeria Birdland, and they loved it. So they must be doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's probably the toughest critic you're going to have is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Italian futsal team. Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, obviously, you know, you traveled a lot coming from Montreal to Fukui, and then I'm sure you traveled a lot and explored Japan quite a bit during your your trip there. What's your best travel tip that uh, that you can offer the listeners? There are many ways to save up on transportation. So I'd look into the JR Rail Pass we talked about earlier. But also once you're in Fukui, you should ask for most of the local bus or train companies offer these unlimited tickets, mostly on the weekends and holidays. But it's the same uh, same idea as with the JR Rail Pass. So you only pay, let's say, like 1,000 yen, so $10. But you can ride on all of these lines for free for the whole day or even a few days sometimes. So please look into those. And finally, of course, the Shinkansen, at least to me, is the most comfortable option. But night buses in Japan are very comfortable. And usually they're like at least half as well. They're much cheaper than the train. So looking into night buses to and from Tokyo, Osaka or Kyoto might be a good way to save money that you can then use on like a fancier accommodation or, you know, a bigger meal, some la- some fancy seafood or things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things I always do whenever I'm traveling is I try to find ways that I can save money so that way I can splurge on unique experiences or like, like really great food and those types of things. And like that, 
one of my friends always says like, you know, you, you, you save on the things that you don't care about. That way you can live lavishly on the things you really do care about. <laughs> yes. Highly agree. <laughs> Pierre, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips for Fakuity. I've learned so much and I'm sure the listeners did as well. Uh, can you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yes, so my name is Pierre. I'm from Canada, as we discussed earlier, and I came to Fukui in 2019. I work at the prefecture, actually, in the tourism division, as well as the um, PR division. So really going around Fukui, getting to know all of these cool places. And I believe our information will be in the description. So people are should be feel very free to message me if they want to know more. It's always my pleasure to share our little corner of Japan with them, especially so that the Shinkansen's coming next year. We're, we're very excited to have more people discover this hidden gem of central Japan. Absolutely. If somebody has questions for you about, uh, about Fukui or you know anything that's going on in that area, what's the best way to reach you on social media? On social media, I manage the account called Experience Fukui. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if they write me a private message on either Facebook or Instagram, I'm the only one who sees those. So it will be my pleasure to answer and share a little of what I know about Fukui with them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Well, again, Pierre, it's been great talking to you and and meeting you and learning so much about Fukui. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was really great to talk to you. What an awesome conversation with Pierre. When I visit Japan, I want to see the big cities like Tokyo, Kyoto, and Osaka, but I'd be missing out on the overall experience if I didn't spend time in cities like Fukui too. You can find all the links we talked about today and our one-page guide to Pierre's tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Fukui. We want to say thank you to AwardWallet for being today's affiliate partner. It's my favorite way to track airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we head to Detroit, Michigan to speak with my new friend Rebecca Gady Sawicki of veggiesabroad.com. In this episode, Rebecca and I talk about attending the Fire and Ice Festival, riding a bike on the slow roll, and visiting the Spitz, Detroit's last remaining bathhouse. We hope you join us when we travel there. I love hearing feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at wetravelthere or email me at wetravelthere.com forward slash contact to share your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 